You are now about to enter. Now, now, now about to enter. Victorious Noel's Positively Podcast. Enter, enter. Now. Featuring world-renowned dog trainer and host of Animal Planets, it's me or the dog, Victoria Stillwell. Now, here's Victoria Stillwell and her co-host, Holly Furfer. And it's another episode of Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. I'm Holly Furfer with Victoria Stillwell. Welcome back to Atlanta from New York. Thank you. It's good to be back. How's shooting going with It's Me or the Dog? Oh, my gosh. Well, I have to say, I'm so excited about this next season. It is going to rock. The families have been incredible. The dogs, incredible. I'm very, very excited about it. I'm, I'm tired. I'm yeah. really tired. But I'm also psyched that I think this is going to be the best season ever. Ooh. Yes. A little bit of standard. Now, you only have a couple weeks left, right? I do have a couple of weeks. I have three families more to do. And then, then I'm done. Wow. And then they begin to air next, next year. So sometime January, February, March. Exciting. Okay, go. So give us a little, another little sneak peek. Give us some idea of what families you're dealing with now. They, run the gamut i mean we've been to some really really serious problems where the the dog has had very very difficult issues but the family's had difficult issues and this is my job as a trainer as well is to find out obviously why the dog is behaving in the way it is and a lot of that is because of the way the people are hmm. the environment um and so in a way i, I do become a counselor i mean I, I become a counselor to people in the fact that I listen. Mm -hmm. And I find that people just tell me everything. They need to they need to talk. They need to tell me about what's going on about how they feel. And then once they become comfortable, then more and more things come out. And that's really important for me as a trainer because that gives me indications and clues on the reason why the dog is behaving the way it is and makes it easier for me to address those behavioral issues in the people that will translate to the dog. So I think, yes, there's some very intense episodes coming up. There are also mm -hmm. some very funny episodes coming up. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I'm just very, very excited about it. So you're like a counselor, like a psychologist almost for the whole family. Yeah, it, it really is. And though I, I'm obviously not trained in that, part of counseling is just listening. Right. So I, I'm not going to offer um, people advice mm -hmm in that kind of way but I'm going to listen to what they have to say and then try and help them through whatever they're going through by helping the dog I would imagine that just being able to point out some issues people just don't have a sense of what's going on to be able to have someone outside of their world step in and say hey I'm noticing this it gives them an opportunity to see what's happening and maybe some issues that aren't the more serious issues are fixed because they want to fix the behavior of the animal. Yeah, and it, it is. It really does take an outside eye because when you're living in it, a lot of the times you don't realize it right. until somebody from the outside comes in and says, do you realize you're doing this? For example, I've just finished with a <clears throat> lovely, lovely, lovely family and their four dogs, but really the lady was making her German Shepherd frantic. Really? Nervy, frantic. I mean, German Shepherds can be pretty neurotic anyway, but this one its neurosis was being fed by the owner it was unbelievable four days I had with this lady 
changed this dog immeasurably just by the way she treated it. And it probably changed her as well. <laughs> it changed it changed her. So by the time I left her, what was a neurotic German shepherd that couldn't settle, <clears throat> that was restless the whole time, wow. actually became calm and a confident dog and a happy dog. And it was an amazing turnaround to see. And that, for, for me, when I see that, that's validation that what I'm doing works. And, you know, you always question yourself. I think anybody that's in any profession questions sometimes, could I have done better? Could I have improved this? But I, I feel really, really good about where I am as a trainer and how I really can help people and their dogs and change their lives. That's my mission. You know, you bring up something interesting about animals can tend to share human feelings and emotions. And I remember uh, years ago when I had a cat that died and my dad said to me, Holly, what you're feeling is anthropomorphic. You know what anthropomorphic is? And I was like, no, dad. He said, when you put human traits on an animal. But I think we're learning more as we learn more about our pets that they have the same emotions and feelings as we do. And they pick up a lot from us. For instance, even grieving, if you've got more than one animal in a household, especially if they've lived together a long time and one animal passes, the remaining animals got to be able to feel something. It's not just because they're an animal, they they're devoid of emotion. Animals can grieve and they do grieve. I have friends of mine whose cat has cancer at the moment and, mm. you know, these kittens, I fostered these kittens, I rescued them from a shelter. George and Blossom and my friends fell in love with them so much that they adopted them both oh. together this is about 11 years ago now George George's health is failing and it, it there's I don't know how many how long he's got left but it, it's probably a couple of months now Blossom is going to feel the loss of of her friend there's no doubt about it because they've been together since they were found in a little dumpster oh. behind a hairdresser's in the Bronx and you know I know that I know that obviously people feel grief but animals feel grief too and I think we we mustn't we mustn't devalue the capacity that animals have to feel I think so we're still trying to improve our understanding of them but I think we should give them the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. I mean I deal with a lot of people who've lost animals in their lives and I've lost a very cherished animal in my life I remember actually three animals I've lost. Mm -hmm. They were all cats. But I remember when I was 10 years old and I came out onto the street in front of my home and saw my cat oh. who'd been run over. And that took me a long time to get over that. And then the second cat that I had, my cat Tika, she was put down. That was very sad. And then Angelica, our beloved cat that we rescued after 9-11 in Manhattan. And she... We lost her about a year and a half ago, mm. and it was devastating. And in fact, my daughter sometimes, even now, will start crying. Oh. And um, and I'll ask her, why are you crying? And it's because she says, I miss Angelica. So we have an Angelica candle. And Angelica candle is always, it's a candle, it's always out in the dining room. So when we want to think about her, when Alex is upset, and we want to we wanna celebrate her, we light the candle. And we think about Kitty, and we do prayers for Kitty. And that makes my daughter feel good. It makes all of us feel good. Mm -hmm. So, but my daughter still has, she has, 
pictures and photographs of Angelica in her bedroom right next to her bed because Angelica was her pet. Right. Angelica was at home when Alex came home from the hospital. So that's all she ever knew. That's all she ever knew. So now we have our beloved Sadie. Goodness knows what's going to happen when Sadie leaves. It's tough. It's tough on other animals. It's tough on people. And actually, by the way, lighting a candle like that, I'm Jewish. And that's actually a tradition in the Jewish religion. Is it? It's a, Yes. You light a candle on the year anniversary of someone's death to remember them and you let it burn for tw- you let it burn till it burns out i had no idea it's, yeah it's a very it's a lovely it's a lovely uh memoriam for someone who's passed and um, i know the same thing i actually right now personally have a 20 year old cat that's amazing who yes 20 they, they look at wow. him and they go are you kidding at the vet he's famous he's like a rock star but he is he's got mast cell disease which is common in many cats as they get older and he probably has cancer but we're not testing him we're not going to do any heroic measures he's 20 but you know you, I, in my, my rational brain says he's 20 he's lived a great life you know what can you expect from him but then you know part of it's like but I got this cat after I graduated college like six months after I graduated wow. college I don't remember life before this cat it's amazing to me now you know how old i am by the way if you could do math <laughs> but um yeah it, it is remarkable and that mm-hmm. it's hard because and then one of my dogs has only known this cat you know it's just it is one of those you have to be aware of and you have to understand i agree with you that animals grieve as well and be conscious don't just assume well it's just an animal it doesn't think because this cat who's 20 had a sister who died when she was four of FIP, which is feline infectious peritonitis, which is a disease you can't cure. And I remember for two weeks, every night he would howl all night long and he would stand at doors and howl till I opened the door and he would run in looking. And I realized Ricky's looking for Lucy, his sister, mm-hmm. and she wasn't there. And that was part of the grieving process. Yeah. So it's very interesting. You know, a lot of people have mentioned, I know dogs, cats, mention about antidepressants. And mm-hmm. I guess you can put an animal on antidepressants for many reasons. Uh, I'm not sure, would this be a reason? Would this help? Or is that more for some kind of a behavioral issue? I think antidepressants should be a very, very last resort. I think there are lots of things that you can do depending on how how uh, depressed your animal is. Um, there are a lot of things that you can do behavior-wise before you go, go down the route of medic- medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, I'm not a veterinarian, so I can't dispense medical advice. But antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication does have—they do have side effects. Right. So it's a decision not to be taken lightly. And they also, if you're going to use them, you need to use them with behavioral therapy. So if behavioral therapy works by itself then I would go down that route first. Sure. And if after a good six weeks of the therapy, things are still looking difficult and bad and the the animal is still depressed or anxious, then it's time to, to maybe go down the route of medication. There are also a lot of natural things that you can use as well to help your animal mm-hmm. over the anxiety. I've done that before. I think there's one... Um well, I don't know. I don't want to recommend it, but it worked for my dog, Box Rescue Remedy, which is for humans, too. It's all yes. natural. Yes. That's worked. And I know a couple of my friends also said they burn lavender, a, ca- a lavender candle, and they'll bring an animal into a room. Not where you want to gas them out, but that it sort of does the same mm-hmm. thing. It sort of relaxes them, and they might put the, 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 the lights down, almost like a massage. And, you know, and we know massages, yeah. too, work for animals. Absolutely. Massage, acupuncture, tea touch, um, all of those therapies can be um, fantastic. There's also wonderful things like um, anxiety wraps, shirts that you can put around your dog to make them feel secure. There's dog-appeasing pheromone, which is 
a pheromone that is synthetically produced and it simulates exactly the kind of pheromone that's given off by a lactating mother. Wow. And that's supposed to give feelings of comfort. It can be used for any kind of anxiety or any kind of um, problem if you've got a multi-dog household where fights are breaking out. Um, dog appeasing pheromone can work for some dogs and not for others. So, so there are a lot of complementary ways that you can that you can help. I mean, exercise I think is the most important thing because yes. exercise releases pleasurable endorphins into the body. It heightens the levels of serotonin in the brain. Serotonin is the is the chemical that is responsible for mood and for good feelings and for pleasure. And so, uh, I think that's probably your best therapy. And then talk to your doctor. If- you need something more serious or even yes. an animal behaviorist if you're having an issue. Yes. And um, if anybody has, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, one remedy and you've mentioned a few, but if anybody has any ideas or suggestions, you can always email us at podcasts at positively.com. Let us know if, you know, there's something that you've tried or maybe if you want to just talk about an experience of grieving or an emotion with an animal and maybe how, you know, you were able to, to settle it in your house. And uh, we've gotten a lot of great response from some of the topics that we've covered here. And I wanted just to mention a couple of emails. One is from Emma Jones, and she's from your home country of the UK. I have terrible, I have terrible, (laughs) don't I? It's awful. I have to say that was pretty bad. Sorry. That was pretty Um, bad. I have a friend who can do accent spot on, and he just (laughs) looks at me like I'm an idiot, but I'm okay with that. Uh, But a while back, we had a YouTube video we put on. We talked about painting animals. You know, they were doing these competitions. You go to a dog show, but this was kind of crazy to the extreme where they were creating pictures and doing a Mona Lisa on a poodle. It was crazy. And Emma says, um, hello, Holly and Victoria. I'm a dog groomer and dog trainer. And she talks about different kinds of animals, but she says painting dogs. The U.S. competitions seem a lot more extreme than British competitions. Is that true? Because didn't they start in England? I guess they did. It's something that I haven't really followed, so... Well, Emma says they are, and she says, Well, I'm a creative person. These big, over-the-top creative grooms are not to my taste. We agree with you, Emma. Myself and the groomer friends I have would never do do this to a dog that hates being groomed or finds it stressful. And that's one of the things we talked about, why it's bad for an animal. Yes. And she says, The prep work is done in sessions over weeks of time as to not stress the dog out. And then at the competition, the time is given is about two hours, which is the amount of time the average breed would spend with us for a regular groom. Once the grooming is done, the dogs get a rest and get to play with other dogs and people. Dogs for competitions are chosen especially for their temperament, and extensive creative work is usually clipped off a day or two later. More groomers are offering creative styling in their salons, but these owners who opt for it bring their dogs in regularly so they're not matted and they don't find uh, that going to the groomers is stressful, and they see it as a fun thing for them and their dogs. Any dog coming to the salon for a creative groom would just come in for a bath, dye, dry, and tidy up. Not a full groom as well, and we only use vegetable-based dyes, which is important. Yep. That could be dangerous. We also do a skin test a few days before the dog is booked in, which is smart, I guess, so there's not a reaction. Yep. And uh, myself and my friends are under no illusion and don't think the dogs think they look good. We know it's more for us than for them, but we keep them relaxed, safe, and they enjoy the attention. The owners that ask for creative grooms don't see their dogs as accessories either. There will be people who think about the job in front of them, the prize, the title, and the acclaim, rather than the living, breathing, moving thing in front of them, and that doesn't just go for groomers. So, interesting. So, she doesn't like the extreme, but thinks to a certain extent it's okay. Well, maybe everything in moderation. Yeah. That's where I think, I just think it, the, the yeah the the American side of things has taken it to to extremes, 
I, I just think, God, aren't there other ways that you can have a good time with your dog than having to do that? <laughs> right. Seriously? Well, you're right. You know, and, and, and Emma makes a very valid point. It's for us. So you want people to stop and stare and go, oh, look at the pink poodle instead yeah. of, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, and you know, my uh, a, a girl, a lady on the program had dyed her chihuahua. She had dyed a chihuahua green oh. for St. Patrick's Day. Oh <laughs> but, the, but, but unfortunately, the green was taking a long time to come out of that coat. So the dog looked like other dogs had urinated on it oh, because no. the green had now turned into urine yellow. And now the dog is walking around and everyone's looking at it going, oh, my God, that dog is dirty. That's it. So come on. So then it kind of backfired. It totally backfired. Once upon a time, I had a Persian cat. And um, this is before I knew about Persians. And I'm going to admit I was a terrible cat owner in the beginning. And the cat had gotten food all over it. So I thought, we'll bathe the cat. And bathing the cat was fine until blow-drying the cat came, and blow-drying was not so fine, and so the cat got matted. So I had to take it to the groomer. And I know, I'm terrible. I, I do not call the ASPCA. I swear to God, I, I was very <laughs> mistaken, but um, he had to shave her completely. And he oh, did say to me, you might want to cover mirrors. I said, really? This is what the groomer told me. He said, because they're very sensitive. Persian cats, the way they look. And apparently they're very aware of it. Now, first of all, I felt terrible. That cat got as many treats as it wanted. It lived like a queen after that. But I guess, so they can feel a sense of ridicule. Well, here is the thing. And it's fascinating because there's just been an article in Time magazine talking about how animals think and how they learn. And can animals see themselves in mirrors? And what it's been found is that cats and dogs, not necessarily... They can obviously they can see themselves in mirrors, but do they know that it's themselves or do they think it's another dog? Oh, well, they found that certainly dolphins and monkeys know that it's themselves in the mirror. Really? Because what they'll do is they'll put a little dot on the end or a little colored dot on the end of the monkey's nose or on the, the dolphin's nose and the dolphin will try and rub the dot off. It's not a physical dot. It's a painted dot. So it's not like it feels it after it's been done. But the monkey will look in the mirror and it will take its hand and its finger and try and rub the dot off its nose. Amazing. So, so they know, therefore, that certainly monkeys can see themselves and that know it's themselves. Do cats and dogs? Sometimes I feel like they can. Other times I feel like certainly with kittens if you've ever watched a kitten in front of a mirror the kitten <laughs> thinks that that's another plaything yeah i don't know it's fascinating the, the jury's still out there's still a lot of research to be done but you bring up a really interesting point and maybe the dogs and cats just don't care what they look like they're like yeah the dot's fine yeah right it brings out my eyes right right exactly. <laughs> and um a quick question from emma she also ends her um email to us and says i would like to ask what does victoria think about the current increasing trend of raw and barf b-a-r-f Feeding. I've never heard of raw or barf feeding. Is that is it barf? Is that correct? Yeah, is barf from? is um, biologically appropriate raw food. And um, basically you're feeding raw bones and raw food to your dog. And actually we fed Sadie raw for a good six months because of all of her allergies. But I have to say what I was worried about, and I would love people to email this in because, um, you know, I'll, I don't know enough about it. Mm -hmm. um, but... Certainly, it improved the condition of her coat immeasurably. She itched less. Wow. No doubt about it. 
With the raw beef, she itched more. With raw chicken, she itched less. So it definitely helped in that respect. Now, what I was worried about is because there have been some cases where people have got salmonella. Dogs will carry salmonella in their bodies and it's in their fur. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you've got children, you've got to be careful. Now, because I have a young child, that freaked me out. Right. They'll so, pet the dog. They might put their hand in their mouth. Exactly. And then for the salmonella transmits in, into their mouth. But but I would like, it's not something that I've delved into. I feed my dog a very good diet, but it's not a raw diet anymore. And I would love it if people could 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 write in and tell us about their experiences of feeding raw to their dogs. Okay. You can do that at podcasts at positively.com. Let us know um, if you have an experience or know anything more about raw or that barf feeding it doesn't sound very good and by the way emma she's from manchester and um for the record manchester united was always my team so you go emma terrible <laughs> terrible <laughs> is that bad is that bad it was say? newcastle united was my team oh see okay when soccer season start i think we have a I smell a bet emma yeah. you and i against yeah. victoria um this is interesting um this is from chris bryant and she's from greece new york and she was listening to the latest podcast in the morning while walking her own dog. Good for you, Good. Chris. We love that. <laughs> I know. And we were talking about pit bulls and the problems the, their owners face. And she says, in fact, we adopted our Jarley after reading an article in our local newspaper about the problems shelters have with placing big black dogs. They're scary looking, evidently. We found our guy in a shelter. He was about six months old and 76 pounds at the time. And we assumed that it was a lab mix, which they like to put that moniker on a lot of them if they don't know. She says, which is really funny, Chris has a great sense of humor. Two and a half years later at 105 pounds and holding, we now suspect that lab may be mixed with a mastiff or a pony. Sounds like it. <laughs> and yes, he does make people nervous when we walk down the street with him. They have no idea what a big baby he is. And she was wondering whether we've seen any of the stories about the Vic dog, speaking of Michael Vic and the pit bull dog fighting issues about two years ago now, two and a half years ago, maybe longer. Um, and she said she stumbled upon a story a couple of weeks ago. And she says there were 51 pit bulls seized a few years back because of the situation. They weren't immediately destroyed. Many were rehabilitated. Several of the dogs have gone on to canine good citizen training, which is amazing. Many are family pets. Some are therapy dogs. Clearly, these dogs weren't naturally dangerous brutes. They're such a smart and friendly breed. I guess prejudice is all over the place, isn't it? I'm very much enjoying the podcast. Thanks for the fun on our morning walks. Chris Bryant. Thanks, Chris, and thanks yeah. for walking your dog, as Victoria said. Thanks, Chris. Oh, that's, that's fantastic, and, and, and well done for adopting. Really a child. You know, I've just, I've just been with a dog that sounds exactly like yours. Um, again, labeled as a lab mix, and he's very big, and he's big and black, and he weighs a lot, and people are scared of him. He's a big mush, and the problems that, we, that the family are having with him is that the family are very lucky to have a swimming pool. And uh, he gets so excited when people are in the water that he jumps in and jumps oh. on their heads. Oh, no. Absolutely jumps on their heads. And then because he panics, because he can't swim very well, he then claws at them to try and hold on. And then you have to hold him, and he's like a baby being held in the swimming pool. But he also has a, this other deal that when there's a hammock, uh, they, they've got a hammock there, and what he likes to do is when anybody lies in the hammock, he goes to the other end of the yard, and it's a big yard, and he takes a running start. He runs at full pelt, leaps onto the hammock, and he likes to unseat the people in the hammock so that they fall to the ground. <laughs> Can you imagine 105 pounds worth oh of a pit lab mix um, jumping on your head? So 
I have to say these dogs have amazing characters. Mm-hmm. They're, they're lovely. And, and the bully breeds and are one of my favorite breeds anyway. But I think what we will do, because obviously we live in Atlanta and Michael Vick has been still very much a sore point with a lot of us, I think that's uh, a topic that we can investigate a little bit and right. talk about it a bit at a later date. And I know that um, uh, uh, on Friday, October 1st, recently you and I were at a Atlanta Humane Society fundraiser and uh, there was a lot of talk about the pit bulls and um, the dog fighting rescues. And uh, we could talk about that because we got a tour of the facility where they bring the pit bulls in and it's quite extensive. And I do believe, I think I even took some pictures. So yeah, let's do that. We'll put that up. But Chris, we'll definitely address it. And there is a reason they call the pit bulls the nanny breeds. They're sweet. They they love kids. My yeah. pit bull mix will lick a kid until mm-hmm. they laugh. Mm-hmm. And then we have one more email, which I have to read to you. And this one is from Anne Rundbecken. I hope I said your name right. From Sewell, New Jersey. And she says, I think it's absolutely essential that Victoria sing on one of the podcasts. Oh, now gosh. that it's been revealed in a podcast <laughs> that she sings, this leads to my question of whether or not Victoria will create the role of Victoria in It's Mere the Dog the Musical. Yeah, right. I oh, my it. God. We need some backers. And will she train the dogs for the show? Or will they use dancing people made up as dogs doing a lot of high leg lifts? I look forward to seeing Victoria in Red Bank, New Jersey on October 11th. We'll talk about that in a moment. Sincerely, Anne Run Bacon. Back in. I think that's phenomenal because they used real dogs for 101 Dalmatians. Yes, they did. They did. If you have millions, can we do this? Anybody donate millions for It's Me or the Dog the Musical? Um, Yeah, I will sing. I will sing to you one day. Maybe we'll have it um, instead of a YouTube clip. Perfect. We'll we'll have a little thing of me singing, and then you'll be able to hear it. I love it. Thanks, um, Anne. She wouldn't have done it for me, but she'll do it for you. Yeah, I love yes. it. Thank you. And talk about that you have a live appearance, I guess, in uh, New Jersey? Yes. On Monday, October the 11th, I have a live appearance at Red Bank, New Jersey. Um, and on Friday, October the 15th, in Lowell, Massachusetts. You can um, buy tickets at Positively.com. And um, these are great evenings. It's sort of an evening with a Victoria Stillwell. I use local rescue dogs. Um, and we just, it's, it's an evening of family fun. It's where you get to meet me. You can ask all questions about your own dog. You can learn about how to understand your dog better. You can learn about why dogs do what they do. You can learn about body language. We've got great video. We've got, um, fun interactive stuff to do. It's just a really, really great evening. It's just two hours of come learn about dogs, learn about your dog, meet me and have a great time. Fantastic. Okay, October 11th. That's a Monday, Red Bank, New Jersey. Friday, October 15th, Lowell, Massachusetts, on Positively.com. All the information, and you can buy tickets there. Have you ever seen this before? No. I mean, yes, I've seen it before, but it's not mine. You're back with Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. I'm Holly Furfer, alongside the Victoria Stillwell. And uh, by the way, if you want to follow Victoria, uh, you can follow her on her Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash Victoria Stillwell. And also, she's still in New York doing It's Mere the Dog, which airs on Animal Planet. You could follow her tweets on twitter.com slash It's Me or the Dog. We've talked so much today because I haven't seen you in forever, it seems. We didn't even get to ask Victoria questions. Let's uh, let's do it next time, then. Let's do it for the next podcast that can be completely asked, Victoria. Okay, the whole thing. Yes, the whole thing. 
Perfect. Okay. All right. And don't forget, October 11th in Red Bank, New Jersey, October 15th, which is a Friday, Lowell, Massachusetts, Family Fun with Victoria. It's a great way to spend a Friday night. It is. It is. And you're going to learn a lot and you're going to have a good time. So, you know, come along and meet me and say hi. Perfect. And you can buy tickets and find out more about her appearances on Positively.com. And if you want to email, because next uh, episode will be all Ask Victoria, you can um, go to the website, Positively.com, and you'll see the button on the podcast page that says Ask Victoria, and just click it, fill out your question, and next week we will do only questions. All right, now, um, you found the funniest YouTube video that you sent to me, and I still laugh. I... I this was nothing short of incredible. I mean, it, you're at a loss for words. It is incredible, and it's the merengueing dog. The There's, dog dances. The dog dances a merengue. But really dances, like you would see really, on Dancing with the Stars. Really dances. And it looks like there are no, that the owner's giving no kind of cues. No. I mean, there might be subtle ones. Maybe there are vocal ones that we can't hear. But it looks like the dog knows exactly what the next step is going to be. The only thing I'd say that disturbs me a little bit is I'm pretty worried about these dogs, this dog's hips. Yeah. And is it comfortable doing that? And is it made to do it? I don't know, but you can't help having just a little bit of admiration. It is incredible. It knows dance steps I could never even remember. I don't know how it yeah. does it. Even Dave Marino, one of our producers... No, by the way, number nine productions, fantastic. Productions. Oh, it is fantastic. He is going to laugh. He's you. not a dog person. We are turning him slowly, and he's going to laugh. We're going to make him watch the dog merengue. Okay, so click on the YouTube um, button and um, enjoy. And until next week, back to New York you go. Back to New York. Yep, with the tornadoes and everything. I didn't tell you that we were in a tornado. That no. a tornado went through Brooklyn. And through Staten Island, and yeah, it was a terrible storm. Did you see the tornado actually? I didn't down? see the tornado, but everything was dark. Everything went great. the The world went ballistic for five minutes. It was wow. insane. Um, but yeah, back to New York and um, finishing up. Last three. I love it. All right, get back to work then. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. Check out more information about this podcast by visiting Positively.com slash podcasts. The theme song for the Positively Podcast, Addicted to the Phone by Elio Pace, is available on iTunes or at eliopace.com.